Good morning and welcome to Her Turn News, a program of news and information by and about women. I'll be your host for the next three hours, Sam Burwell. Not that our show is three hours long. Anyways, I am joined in the studio today by one of our Her Turn News reporters and her friend. So introduce yourself, ladies. My name is Carla Williams, a Her Turn reporter. My name is Jessica Rachar. I'm Carla Williams' friend. <laughs> <laughs> Carla Williams' friends, what do you, what do, you do? You do something outside of Carla Williams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm a writer. Um, I do like poetry and uh, short fiction. That's But uh, poetry is kind of my baby, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about this morning. So in case you haven't noticed, we don't really have a topic for today. Um, we had one, but then decided against it. And then Carla and her friend showed up, and we got to talking about random various things going on in life and decided, well, you know what? People need to hear our opinions on those things. Yes, they do. Yeah. So um, I will get started with the question I was going to ask you because you came in and I was super enthralled right off the bat off of poetry. Um, so I was going to ask you, were just published, right? Yes. Yeah. So where were you published and how did you find that community that took you to that point? Well, uh, currently I just got a poem. Um, it's about to be published, I think, in late summer um it's for this publication called rust in milwaukee and the way i found it well actually i kind of found it through craigslist which was i was surprised by because i found some sketchy stuff on craigslist but uh pretty much the publication focuses on a lot of like milwaukee artists not even just poets just artists in general so people who write uh not even just poems like short fiction um articles who do art of like different mediums and Uh, I was really thankful to find it because I do have a lot of poems that are based off of my experience in Milwaukee. So to find that, especially at this point in my life where I did move back, it was really, I was really lucky to have found it. So yeah, Um, Craigslist, I'm telling you, I found every place that we have lived in since I moved here six years ago, most from Craigslist. Yeah. And I would say the ratio has been mostly good. Yeah. I will not deny (laughs) there's some sketch things, but yeah. So you did live in Milwaukee and now you've been back I didn't know that, Carla. Oh, well, she lives in Milwaukee currently. She was originally from Milwaukee, but she came down for school and decided to go back to Milwaukee. Mm. Yeah. So, and she's been making the transition back and forth, trying to find which, (laughs) which reporting, which, what is it? Poetry scene is best for her. Yeah. Yeah. I, because I originally went to school for journalism and creative writing, but Mm. actually going to school. And the funny thing that we're talking about Craigslist and finding good things, like, Everything that I found in regards to my writing on Craigslist have been positive because oh, besides nice. the one that I just found, I did find an internship at Madison Magazine. Oh, wow. And it, it surprisingly wasn't sketchy or anything. Yeah. It was legit. Well, Madison Magazine's was, legit. Yeah. 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 Oh, so I was like, I should sign up for that. Right? Yeah. Craigslist. So we're giving our Her Turn News official <laughs> review for Craigslist. It's uh, a OK in our book. Yeah. Yeah. Don't oh. buy couches or anything, though. Just maybe other stuff. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Houses are fine and creative writing workshops. Totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you're terrible at introducing your friend. There's all this stuff I didn't know about her already, but I'm glad you saved it for You know, I saved it for here so that way you could be surprised too. <laughs> you were also joking about like, you're trying to help her find her voice. And then we were talking about how, like, I'm the one for you in the Hurtarian community that tries to find your voice. Because yes. every Sunday she has to anchor. 
I'm always telling Carla, you are not loud enough. You are not loud enough. <laughs> and she's like, no one ever tells me that. And I'm like, I don't care. Be louder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's like, it's really hard in certain situations to have your voice because I think as a minority, so many times you're told to be quiet. Yeah. And in so many aspects of my life, I've been told, be quiet or you're too loud yeah. or like you're not. Thanks. So it's like to be told you need to be louder or to have more of a voice is is unreal to well, me. Well, you could see it on your face the first time I told you because I like interrupted your show the first time and I was like, listen, I can, I've got your mic turned all the way up. You have to speak louder. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's like that's a legit concern to bring up though because like I'm I'm naturally a really shy and quiet person and when people meet me um I have actually been told this a lot um that a lot of people come up to me and they'll say like you know what you're really quiet for a Latina I really thought you were gonna be loud and brash fiery yeah like feisty and I'm like what are you talking about (laughs) shout out to uh Franny Lyons our other her turn volunteer she also (laughs) is Latina and she complains I got fiery from her because that's the way she described herself and I was yeah. like that fits you to a T and I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> and I think the issue isn't that like I think the issue is that people assign that label it's to everyone yeah. yeah and it's like well no because everyone is extremely different and that's not a bad thing yeah so because um I was thinking about this the other day and I think I was discussing this with a good friend of mine how um when I speak, people, like, I'm not speaking for myself. People automatically assume I'm speaking for everyone that's Latina. Mm. And then I think about, like, there's a lot of people out there, like, white men or, like, straight white men. They can speak and it's like, oh, he's just talking about himself. Like, they never represent their whole yeah. race or their whole gender that's or anything. That's so funny that you bring that up because me speaking as a self-identified white woman, like, I'm a mixed, I actually got my DNA done and yeah. they said it was, like, 85% Irish? Who knew? <laughs> but I couldn't trace my generation back. So I just, I'm a white woman and I understand that there's a structural white privilege that comes with that. Um, but I definitely feel I sort of tie into the stereotypes of being a minority because of being a woman, right? Like that sort of thing being suppressed. But it's more, it's crazy because, right, for white men, they get to be themselves, but you speak on behalf of everyone and that's insane. But that's because of our white privilege. We don't reach out. To these minorities. So you are the only example they may have of a Latino, which is desperately depressing for me. (laughs) So I apologize on behalf of all white women because I'm sitting in this. We're talking about (laughs) that they treat you like that. But I definitely feel what you feel as far as like speaking on behalf of most people. Um, I get that here with the collective a lot. I don't understand how the collective works. It's like, I can't make decisions for a group of nine of us. It takes time for me to be like, what do you think on this? How do we make it better? And then present them back with something that we all agree on. Like, that's how a collective should work. Yeah. Anyways. So uh, let's take a short music break, eh? All right. Yeah. And then we'll be back. and We're going to talk about some more cool things if you're still interested in what we're talking about. If not, shame on you. (laughs) I'm just teasing. You can give us a call if you like. This is not a call-in show, but we are always taking comments, things that you love that we're saying. Give us a call at 608-256-2001. We will be here, and we will be right back.
I think it's really wonderful that we're all here talking about how we've all, in some way, in some form, not been able to have our voice. I think even, Sam, even though you're not a woman of color, in some way, your voice has been silenced. And I think that, for me personally, um, as a journalist, as an aspiring journalist, it's not really a large community of African-American women, or at least I didn't feel that way until I joined the black community of black journalists. And also, I had met this woman named Malele Shikasa Anana, and she had given me the opportunity to write for her magazine. And that was my very first real journalism experience. Is that Madison 365? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, I'm talking about so Yemoja was... Magazine. Oh, okay. No, and I she had, that. Yes, she had given me the opportunity to write for Yemoja. And it was my first writing experience. She was actually my very first mentor. And she had, she had you know, she told me that you can't be a writer if you don't have anything to say. And you got to find what to say, right? Not even that. She was just, like, implying that, you know, you can't, for so long, we've all grown up with our parents telling us what to do, mm-hmm. our teachers telling us what to do. And to be in a position to have your own voice Tell is people what to do. Not even that. You. Just to have your own voice. Because yeah. not having your own voice doesn't necessarily mean telling anyone else what to do. It just means I'm here. I have opinions. My voice should be heard. Yeah. And... Having her give that to me was so imperative because for so long I was just so used to being told what to do and obeying. And just I feel like in a lot of communities, especially ones of color, because like we, since we've come on the on the voyage to America, we've been told what to do. Women have just been like they're like cattle in a way. You know, we're here for profit. We're here for even if you look at magazines, majority of the time women are there to look beautiful. Yeah. They're not really there to have a voice or an opinion. And so I feel like journalism and writing was my way of just talking. And it's it's a wonderful opportunity for me because for so many years growing up, especially in my home, in a two-parent home, my father was usually the one who had the final say. Mm -hmm. And so like being... Being in that environment, you kind of just get used to the men saying what goes. Well, it's like it's either that or what's your other option? Continuously fight and push back. And that gets exhausting. Yes, I agree. So it's easy to give in a lot of times than it is to just keep fighting it. But and we're talking about mentors here, right? Yes, Jessica, who are some of your mentors? (laughs) Yeah, pulling Um, it out of her since she's shy. Yeah, thank you. um, Well, I'd say um, when I first started writing poetry, well, I started writing poetry in like third grade after we did this class and um, not so much a class, like a lesson. And she was teaching poetry and like the first poem I wrote was about pizza. Oh, nice. (laughs) But then after that, I don't know, I just didn't pick it up until I think about like eighth grade or so. And I just started listening to like different kinds of music and starting to get expired or expired inspired and um but then I got into high school and I had this one teacher her name was Kristen Frew and she had brought poetry club and I never heard of this I never had like a place to like share my poetry or anything until she came and I remember the first meeting it was me and this other girl it was just two girls and I was just sharing my poems and she was so nice and sweet. I was like, oh, wow, like, that's really great. You should keep working on it. And soon I became a regular and we had some more people come in. And I was really happy to have found a space and a person who believed in my voice 
I think at the time even more than me because yeah. I was very convinced that like oh I can't do anything with yeah. this like this is just for fun it just makes you feel good yeah, yeah. like it was the one thing I looked forward to every week like yeah. it, I was so excited every time I was like yo you go to poetry club you yeah. go to poetry club we, we got pizza like we got you know <laughs> we got poetry about pizza <laughs> yeah like I'll bring that poem let's go <laughs> So I was really thankful for that. And I still talk to her from time to time. And then uh, recently in college, um, I found a mentor through Edgewood, the school that I went to oh, nice. when we uh, met Carla. Um, I forgot who I had spoken to at Edgewood, but they said, hey, you should talk to this one woman. Um, she's an editor for, I think it's like Wisconsin. I forgot the name of the publication, but um, her name's Natasha. And mm-hmm. I got to meet with her and Again, she was very sweet and nice and read my writings, and she was very supportive and kind of told me the things that um, Carla spoke about, about just, like, finding your voice and learning you had to nothing use to it. say, yeah. Yeah, because you, you really do, growing up as a woman, especially a woman of color, you are told constantly what to say and how to say it. So poetry... And just writing in general is a way for me to say, no, I want to say what I want to say, how I want to say it. And you can't tell me that that's right or wrong. Yeah. So I can't tell you how many times this weekend that I've told I've talked I've talked about this similar subject with other people in my life. And it's almost like we're living in a world right now where it's like you have your cup and you know that your cup has water. And then everyone around you is telling you you don't have a cup. You know, I at all. That. And you're like, I, I definitely most certainly have a cup, you know? Yeah. So I think that's funny because a lot of what I'm hearing from the two of you um, is the same thing that I just recently went through finding this new job and being really inspired and trying to figure out, like, what's best for me and not listening to the people that think what's best for me. Because what's best for me looks like me dropping out of school and taking this really awesome job. Um, but that doesn't look best for most people, right? So... It's finding your inner voice, but also your inner truth. And Carla, you have to read that book I was telling you about. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've, I've actually started the Audible book. Yeah. I listened to it like you were saying in the car. Yeah. And so far. It's, it's just, it's like, it, it's whatever. But yeah. like the first three chapters are really like, oh, because I was going to talk about the inspirational process of like making poetry. And so personally, I recommended this book to Carla called Big Magic. And it was like the woman that wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Um, which is, I read that book and I was like, eh. I'm sure some people have seen the movie. Whatever you feel about that book or movie has no implications to this book. Um, she talks about how inspiration comes to people and living a creative life, not because it's fulfilling or like it pays you money fulfilling, but more of like it makes you feel good. Yeah. So I was think I was telling my husband like these when I write, it comes to me with a word, and then it's like I build a sentence around that word. And then around that word, I build like a small stanza. And then I won't give up on this like feeling of inspiration that I have until I have at least three stanzas. Because it's like that's to me is what my poem standards are. But the way this woman described it, it was like inspiration's a living thing. And it comes to you and it can leave you and it can like completely take you on this trip that wastes your time and energy. You know, how does that happen for you? Like, how does your you guys creative process work? Do you want to go first or do you want to? I'll let you listen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, well, it's... Well, usually before I start writing anything, I'm I'm a very emotional person, which is very different from the rest of my family. My family's very, like, 
let's not talk about it. Like, let's just move on. Let's carry on. And I'm very like, no, I mean, these are real things. We should talk about them. We should face them. And so whenever I write anything, I always think about like, what is it that I'm trying to convey to people? Because usually what I'm trying to convey is a feeling that I feel. And when I write, I hope to confront that feeling. But also I hope that people can read my writing and think, oh, hey, I feel that same way too. Yeah. So. um, And it's unique. It's your unique perspective as well, tying into the whole woman's voice. You're doing this to break the cycle for your family because. In a way, I guess it makes us feel better about trying to change the way what we, the cards we dealt, right? Yeah. That's the way I view writing a lot. I mean, do you write for healing or do you write for a need to get this voice out of here, Carla? I think it's a combination of both. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess I'll start with the first question, like where my creative process comes Mm -hmm. from. Because like for me growing, growing up, my mother was always like, you know, you as an African-American woman, you have to be twice as good. You have to be as good as the men, but better. Especially if you want to have, like, an opportunity or a career, you have to be twice as good. You have to work twice as hard just to even make the cut. So for me, I guess, like, my desire to want to be creative or want to be the best that I could be comes from there because I come from a generation of not that long ago, my great, my grandfather was a sharecropper. My grandmother didn't even make it past the second grade. So I guess I have this desire to carry on their legacy and know that all that they had done was not in vain. So I guess like when I write or when I do things, it stems from a place and a desire to be my best self, not just for me, but for them. And so I guess like whenever I do anything, I try and keep in mind that it's not just for Carla. Yeah. My desire. It's for the next generation of women like Carla. Yes. Because like if I, if I can at least, I don't have to be that person. I don't have to be Martin Luther King. I can be the seed that gave Martin Luther King the inspiration. Right. And I'm continuously comfortable with that. Yeah. Because not everyone gets to be Malcolm X. Not everyone gets to be. But there has to be someone behind him to get him to that place. There was someone somewhere that gave them that motivation. The inspiration to think the way they thought. And we did have a caller for you um, that wants to know, you were speaking about the different writing communities and how you felt they were different. You felt more connected to the one in Milwaukee because you live there. Uh, She just wanted you to speak a little bit about what you feel the differences are between your community you found here in Madison and the one that you found in Milwaukee? Um, I guess in Milwaukee, hmm, I guess I would say in Milwaukee, I noticed that um, it's, I guess it's different in the sense that in Milwaukee, that's where I found not just poetry, but slam poetry, mm. because that's the kind of poetry that my teacher had brought to me. Mm-hmm. And then I came to Madison, and the poetry was more, I guess, academic, mm. if that makes sense. So I found poetry through not only just my teacher, but through my friends, because I also consider rap poetry. Yeah, and a absolutely. lot of my friends like listen to rap, and they'd be like, hey, Jess, have you heard of... Have you heard of J. Cole? Have you heard of Kendrick? Have you heard of this, that? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I came to... Um, Madison, like, su- like super concerned with flow. I'm a big flow kind of person. Mm-hmm. And then when I came to Madison, that's when I was going to school and I was learning stuff that I didn't even learn at school in Milwaukee. Yeah. So it was really cool to like bring something to Madison and then also bring something back to Milwaukee. And I really liked mixing them together because yeah. it's like I really love everything about 
rap, which is funny because I grew up listening to all kinds of music with my dad because mm-hmm. my dad's very like, I don't care if it's good, I'll listen to it. Mm-hmm. But as like, because I, I was like a scene kid, I mm-hmm. went through that phase. I try to pretend like I didn't, but I totally Oh, but did. everybody does. It's like the one yeah. place you can go for a mosh pit. You know, you're so angry. You got to find those places, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, but then it's so funny because as I listened to rap, I was like, yo, rap's like it's hardcore. like a, Yeah. It's like a soothing thing over you. We have to talk about this another day because yes. I am absolutely like a fanatic for rap and that's absolutely where I got my interest in poetry and I was just complaining the other day that like the next poetry or hip hop breakout is going to be based off poetry and jazz I think cuz look at Kendrick Lamar right now. I was just about to say like Kendrick. he's been how many albums does he have now that have been popular and have been different yes. based off just what he's been doing like real lyrics and jazz music and the next thing for the next woman rap artist is going to be finding that inner voice and she's gonna be so fresh i hope that people are just gonna be like wow you know that'll be great (laughs) so hopefully she doesn't make all of her music about her body oh god yeah no offense to women i mean everyone's got to make a check but i just love (laughs) hearing people who can just they don't have to be necessarily a woman to be heard in that in the rap genre and i'm not saying like talking about your body is a bad thing but it just is so great when you can just be one of the people and your voice your lyrics and your words are so much quality that it doesn't matter it's like a high the academic meshed with the slam poetry right so you're gonna like my playlist later because i got lady lasher coming up for her in variety and that was the one i was talking about i was really excited about because she was a YouTube star, but she's also radio friendly. We don't play a whole lot of rap music on Wart, right? So right. I was just going to say, since we're speaking on rap, specifically female rap artists, like I'm a big Nicki Minaj fan, but there's a lot of other really amazing right. female artists. You just have to dig. Yeah, because um, there's this one um, Chicago artist, and I'm so happy to see her come up because uh, she her name is No Name, and she's from Chicago. Have you heard of her? Yes. She's amazing yeah I, it's crazy and it's funny because she started in poetry yeah and that's how she met chance they met in the library and then the next thing you know they're performing on snl and i'm like that's crazy public libraries are critical people yes. just get that out of there <laughs> chance the rapper too. yeah right <laughs> yeah absolutely also lizzo is another one from minneapolis and dessa i don't know if you've heard her but she is insane and she's from minnesota she does a lot of like her rap with orchestra music behind her like she mm-hmm. does really classical stuff she's amazing so that's a whole other show um (laughs) and i am gonna segue into my next show so is there any final thoughts on finding your inner voices for women of all types i'd say that finding your voice is very risky and scary but extremely necessary so there i just got goosebumps when you said that (laughs) It, it is though because when you find your voice you're going to run into a lot of people and obstacles that are going to tell you to just stop like that's fine that's enough and you have to think to yourself and believe in yourself enough to say no this isn't enough there's so much more for me to say and i have to say it and it's going to be very hard it's extremely hard to go against people who are trying to stop you but and sometimes those people look like people that you love yeah and you just or completely have, rational people. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to fight against it. Yeah. It's very hard. I, that, I always want to stress that, too. When you're doing stuff like this, it's I'm not saying it as in it's easy. It's extremely hard, but it's very, very worth it. We're just speaking from the other side of it, of finding it and fighting it and continuously knowing the worth of fighting for it. Yes. I mean, try getting your women's community news program considered news. <laughs> 
that's another topic too. I love it, Sam. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's where my voice lies. Yeah. What about you? What What do you feel like you should be like offering? Them? You know, I think she put it up really. You put it very eloquently. I wouldn't say it any other way. Is it's so necessary? Like it's hard, and people will put look at you in your face and tell you that that what you're saying as fact is untrue, and you know it isn't. But it's so worth it being on the other side and knowing that they can't get to you because you know who you are, right? And you can keep fighting because you know that their opinions don't affect you. And it's hard to let go of society, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just like a human. It's very natural to just want to fit in and be accepted. It's a small fight of being a child against the parents and being like, is yes. it worth it? And we're, we're saying yes, <laughs> for yourself, it is absolutely worth it. I think also it's important to acknowledge that, like, within yourself, it's also hard. It's it's hard to, like, dig deep within yourself and say, everything that I thought was right may not be right. Yeah. And sometimes you'll feel crazy. Sometimes you'll feel like, I'm not sure. And raw. Like, yes. yes. That's another <laughs> one. Just being emotionally raw is hard for women. And I think some because we all have this thing where we have to be strong as women. Because we all have to be, like, this person who endures and keeps the family together, the matriarch. And I think it's okay to say that I'm not okay. Yeah. It's okay to cry. It's okay to say, you know, I'm a work in progress. Yeah. I don't have it all together. And I think that's one a major thing yeah. that so many people have to learn. And we as women need to recognize in being in those down spots that we still need to reach out to other women. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, that, it's hard because of those things. Because it's like you have to find out where do you need to uplift and where do you need to self-reflect right because sometimes you'll reach out to people and i think like sometimes when they're going through that healing process it might be defensive wall yeah yeah. and then like you with unintentionally create that hurt for someone else yeah so i think that's also really tough and it limits people it's every relationship too professional like personal even small as like your if you were a mother this is coming up mother's day right like we're talking about how women go through they're put on this pedestal to be this perfect person and then you have a daughter and then what you're supposed to uplift her to be better than you your entire life it's a hard thing to do so with that i want to thank carla and for bringing her friend in today (laughs) (laughs) thank you like i said like this was a very pleasant surprise i thought we were just going to come in here and get some work done but i think this is important to do for the next generation of women and it's important to do for radio because how many podcasts are out there that let women have this space? Exactly. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming in today. Uh, this has been Her Turn News, a show of news information by and about women. I've been your host, Sam Verbal, and we're going to play it out. What does that mean? <laughs>